question everything. Why did the West rush without any hesitation? We will ensure Israel has what it needs to defend itself against these terrorists. In support of Israel and gave it a clear and green light to do whatever is necessary, which included committing war crimes. As a citizen, what kind of a world do you want to live in? I want justice for us and for the world. Hello, and thank you for joining. My name is Khaled Fatal. I am the chairman of the MLI Group, international best-selling author of Survivability, the book. The special topic today I want to bring to your attention is pertaining to the horrific events that have been unfolding in almost four weeks in the Middle East, especially with the death of so many civilians. And I want you for a moment to step aside from what you normally believe, what you normally support, and some of the concepts of right, wrong, justice that you've always believed, and even your allegiances, your alliances, your, your sense of belonging, whether you're an Arab or a Jew, an Israeli. I want to talk to you from the angle of what we in the West have always been professing to the world, justice, sense of justice, sense of fair play. We Americans always talk about the underdog and championing the underdog. There's no, there's no escaping. I am certain that many of you, if not all of you, have already heard and seen the horrors that have been unfolding, the almost 10,000 civilians that have died in Gaza. These are innocent civilians. And many of you would be wanting to to want people to talk about the innocent civilians who were Israelis who died as well. But here's what I want you to start thinking of. Step away from all of what you normally believe and ask yourself, what kind of a world do you want to live in moving forward? Seriously, what kind of a world do you want to live in moving forward? And I'm speaking specifically to those citizens like myself who, who live in the Western Hemisphere, where democracies and freedom of speech and justice are supposedly enshrined in law or in constitution or both. And you wonder, if you're wondering why I'm actually taking that angle, because after all of the death and the destruction and the, as it stands now, close to about 10,000 dead on both sides, and there are many who are still under the rubble that may not be discovered until long after the, the last bullet or rocket or shell has been exhausted. I want you to start thinking, once again, what kind of a world do we want to live in? To answer that question, you need to start recognizing that we as citizens of the West, and those of us who are citizens of the world, no matter where you live, we are all being hijacked. We are all being hijacked by different ploys, different tactics, and different purpose disinformation, propaganda, misinformation, and government spin. And we are, we the people, Westerners and all over the world are the turkey for Christmas. We are the ones who pay with our lives and the lives of our children for the plans of those who are sitting at the top who have agendas. 
So let me start by explaining what is the agenda so at least you understand enough. I hope you have set your allegiances and uh, beliefs and some of the concepts what justice are and some of it you may not know, you may not be aware of. Set that aside. Ask yourself, after the attacks on October 7th by Hamas fighters into Israel and the killing of close to about 1,200 people, including some of them were civilians, a lot of soldiers as well, and the taking of prisoners. After all that and the reprisal of Israel, pulverizing Gaza. You ask yourself, and I'm sure you've heard this before, this, this narrative I'm going to share with you, but none of the sources out there that talk about that angle take it to the next level. I'm sure you've heard. Why does the fourth strongest army in the world, Israel, which has nuclear weapons and which has, which is perceived and known all over the world as the undefeated army, no Arabs can defeat it. Why would, as a result of what 1,100 armed men, why would the U.S. need to send two aircraft carriers to the region? I know you've heard about the deterrent to Iran and Hezbollah in Lebanon or stuff. I know you've heard about all that. <clears throat> that may be the case, but why? The fourth largest army in the world, fourth strongest army in the world, should be able without doubt to take care of ensuring its security. And here's an important part. Why then? Was it that the White House and President Biden, in the early days of the of the war, went and stated that Israel has the right of self-defense and stopped there? Why was it that Biden, French President Macron, uh, British Prime Minister Sunak, and many other world, the German Chancellor, and many other world leaders, one after the other, flew to Tel Aviv and met with Benjamin Netanyahu, Israeli Prime Minister, and confirmed their stand by Israel and its right to self-defense, while they were all observing that Israel was actually committing, at minimum, war crimes. At a debatable level, genocide, and I'll talk about genocide later on, but war crimes without a doubt, the cutting of electricity from 2 million innocent civilians in Gaza, it is a war crime. The cutting of food supplies, the cutting of water, the bombing of... So I'm not going to go there because I don't want to be sidetracked from the goal of this podcast. What kind of a world do we want to live in? And I bring back to your attention that these world leaders did not jump in, contrary to many of my uh, fellow Arabs, who believe they went to support Israel because they are captured by the, uh, uh, the Zionist lobby in the United States. That may be the case, but it's bigger than that. The American institutions do uh, uh, coordinate at high level and virtually all the time with the Zionist lobby in the United States. So does the British government and, uh, and, and, and many Western countries. 
but they did not rush to the aid of Israel just because they under they are under the special interest thumb, which is something I talk about extensively in my book, Survivability, by the way. They rushed in to safeguard their own interest, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're wondering what is their own interest, this is where I think most of the people out there who talk about what's going on in the Middle East fail to take these arguments as to why did the West rush without any hesitation in support of Israel and gave it a clear and green light to do whatever is necessary, which included committing war crimes, which included committing what many have labeled as genocide on Gaza. And many of those who have labeled that, I am not going to reference just Arabs, I'm going to reference Westerners, Americans, those who were steadfast historically of in support of Israel, Israelis, Jews, and those who are experts on the topic of genocide, labeled what Israel is doing as genocide because it was given the green light by the West to finish the job. If you remember, many presidential candidates stepped out and said, finish the job. Nikki Haley, uh, the other guy, I forgot his name, uh, the tech billionaire. But the bottom line here is these leaders of Western nations rushed to protect their interest and the interest of the special interest that pushed their button. I bring you back to the attention of what happened to COVID. And by the way, I'm double vaccinated, so I'm not an anti-vaxxer for the record. So before anybody starts claiming this is an anti-vaxxer, I'm a double vaccinated person. However, it is within my civic duty to challenge positions with the state of California, where I reside, and my US government on COVID. So when the state of California decides to publish commercials in California of how COVID the full COVID vaccine is safe to teenagers or to pregnant women, I say, no, you are lying to us because the COVID vaccine was never tested for those purposes. It was tested and was given emergency use and the testing criteria and the, uh, the control groups were not pregnant women and they were not children. And it is it, it, the government, the state of California and the government in the United States cannot claim and back it up with evidence that it is safe for those categories. Yet, that's exactly what they were doing. Now you ask yourself, why am I bringing this up? How often did you hear during the COVID crisis that, that cost millions of lives? In the UK, close to about half a million, in the US in excess of a million. How much talk did you hear about? We need to learn from these experiences so we prevent these mistakes to happen again in the future. Guess what? How much learning have we done? How much talking about what could be learned was allowed to happen before they, they, they quickly threw us into the Ukraine war? Anybody with two cents of knowledge of history would know that the, the greater expansion of NATO into what countries that used to be part of the Soviet bloc became a concern to Russia. And Russia has, on many occasions, 
express their concerns to the West and to the NATO that you are what you're doing is actually threatening my security. No different what President Kennedy did in the early 60s when the Cuban crisis happened and Khrushchev of the Soviet Union decided to deploy nuclear missiles in Cuba aimed at the United States. And he and Khrushchev was doing that because NATO had set up nuclear missiles in Turkey, one of the founders of, of NATO, aimed at the Soviet Union. So the Soviet Union, another um, you know, nuclear superpower said, we're gonna do the same. What did Kennedy do? To summarize it, Kennedy said to the Russians, take your missiles out or I'm ready to press the button. What did the Russians do? They took their missiles and went. The US was not going to tolerate another nation, especially one with, with, with nuclear mis missiles, to place the nuclear missiles aimed at it 90 miles away from the US borders, and rightly so. But we dictate to the world what we won't like, but we don't like it when the other world does the same thing to us. We're used to compromising countries like Venezuela third largest oil reserve country that's whose people are 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 under uh, uh, who living before the poverty line Syria I've done a lot of podcasts on that subject those are countries that have very limited ability to actually withstand or re respond to feeling threatened by a superpower Russia was not one of those so anybody and I remember in the early days of the war the invasion of Ukraine and this is not to condone the death of civilians. I was born in Syria for anybody that knows. Anybody that tells me about uh, civilians and, and uh, the fight for democracy, I say, go to the nearest toilet, take that narrative, dump it there, feel free to take whatever business you want to do, whether you want to do number one or number two. It has nothing to do with, with, um, with, with freedom and democracy. These are the narratives they sell to us. There's a lot more to do with business and money and power and who owns the 21st century ladies and gentlemen who will command the 21st century so the gaza crisis and is and and the civilian the, the unprecedented level of civilian casualties in in the middle east the covid the lies and the early days whatever we used to question about covid who we were called conspirators or uh, uh, anti-vaxxers whatever many of our positions ended up being validated because the facts came out. Let me also bring to your attention something else, another monumental event that we as citizens of the world continue to pay the price on, the financial crisis of 2008. And incidentally, the financial crisis of 2008, I talk about this extensively in my book, Survivability, the, uh, the, the COVID, uh, uh, experience. I talk about that and how we were we have been captured by special interests. But fundamentally, let me go back to the financial crisis of 2008. During the financial crisis of 2008, which happened because the regulatory framework and the model of supply side economics and the bankers who knew they can and were willing to sell toxic loans to other investors, knowing the loans were toxic, but they shut a blind eye and didn't know, didn't care. 
as long as they can flip them and make their arbitrage and make them their, their, their profit margin. Until somebody opened the lid and the stench came out and the stench literally infected the entire world. Do you remember the financial crisis then? The many conversations we used to hear, we need to learn from lessons and rectify this and put new regulation to prevent these bankers making those mistakes. Again, how much change have we seen to the regulation? Nothing. If in fact, there were a couple of modifications to the rules, but we're still in the heavily pushed laissez-faire, minimum government international intervention, self-regulation, and the, bank, the bankers hardly any regulation, and they got us to do something else. So ladies and gentlemen, financial crisis, calls for change, real change, nothing happened. COVID, call for change, real change, nothing learned, nothing was changed, we're back to normal, back to the day-to-day -day grind. The war in the Ukraine, nothing changed, very little, and everybody's still talking about that uh, the unprovoked war, which we all know, it has been provoked for many, many years. And now I'll come back to the Gaza crisis and the Middle East. And why would the US send two aircraft carriers to make sure that Israel stays strong and robust and every single world leader runs to pay homage and kiss the ring? Ladies and gentlemen, it is because it is in their interest to do that, not just in the interest of the of, of Israel. And their interest is not the interest of the, of the citizen. The plan and why the, the West has rushed to the aid of Israel is to secure a plan that it's been brewing for longer than 15 years to provide the West, especially Europe, with alternative fuel to that of the one that Russia supplies, gas and oil, to Europe. And this is at the heart as to why the Syrian crisis started. Many of you may not know the Syrian crisis had nothing to do with democracy. It called for regime change. It's because there was a plan by the Qataris who went to Syria, who wanted to establish a pipeline from Qatar that goes into the Middle East, which would go into Syria, and ended up being a pissing contest, showing no respect. And with all respect to the some of my Qatari friends, you know, new money does not make you cool makes you arrogant. And we all know how much, how much uh, Qatar spent on the change of government in Syria in excess of $100 billion, ladies and gentlemen. Long story short here is the civil war in Syria, the, the economic starvation of Lebanon. Now you start seeing where the, the links are now starting to start to appear. The alternative to the West, being reliant on Russian oil and gas is meant to come through Israel, through pipelines and port cities on Haifa and Gaza as well. And this is why the port city of, in Syria of Latakia continuously gets bombed. You then draw your own conclusion how for some unknown reason, still nobody knows, everybody has, all of these superpowers have satellites from from, from outer space. And nobody still wants to come and tell us what happened to the port of Lebanon that exploded 
in a Hiroshima-like explosion. Don't tell me this was because of uh, some some um, uh, liquids, and I can't remember the name of the liquid fuel and all that stuff. This looked like a nuclear disaster. And how convenient that the port of Beirut is totally out of action, the port of Latakia is totally out of action, and Haifa is now the sole port that could actually serve the purpose of creating the alternative to, to the oil uh, that Europe depends on. And it's now coming from allies of the United States, Saudi Arabia and Qatar. And now you understand why lots of the talk that was coming out in the last few months out of the Israeli side that Saudi Arabia was about to sign a normalization agreement which was, you never heard a tweet out of the Saudis on that. Saudi Arabia is part of the pipeline that will go through. And all of a sudden now, the West is in a position to change the de dependence of oil on the West, of the West, of, of Europe uh, from Russia, control the oil resources. And on the way, if 10,000, Palestinian civilians die, collateral damage. If 50,000 die, collateral damage. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring you back to the original question in my episode, in this podcast. What kind of a world do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a world where the same special interests, the handful of companies who manufacture pharmaceuticals, who manufacture weapons, who control the financial system, who truly are the benefactors of all of these plans, and who are aiming at securing their role and their continuity and their survivability in the, for the 21st century as part of the geopolitical uh, direction and the fight between the West and the East on who owns the 21st century. The Western hemisphere has been exposed for being a marketing, a, probably successful at marketing and labels, freedom, democracy, but it's only freedom and democracy that suits the special elite groups and the benefactors of the citizen, not the citizens of those Western democracies. And you wonder why I'm telling you this, because in many situations i don't talk to people from all over the world and i'm constantly traveling and people feel that they have no say into this i want to share with you that you the citizen has the strongest say in all of this do you know what you say is the fundamentals of western democracies is there's an election that takes place every four years every five years or every two years you know, in the U.S., every two years is an election, Congress, representative, every four years as a president, U.K., every five years, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line here is these government and political elected officials derive their authority to implement the plans of the special interest that don't give a damn about you 
who continuously treat you and treated you like Turkey for Christmas. During COVID, we're now seeing all of the, the information coming out, how some of many of the governments in the UK and the, and the UK government thought of people. Boris Johnson is quoted by many of his advisors to have stated that the elderly should accept their fate and let the young live their lives and the economy move forward. I'm paraphrasing, but that's exactly what he said. And it's more coming out because there is an official inquiry going on in the United Kingdom. So as a citizen, what kind of a world do you want to live in? What does your humanity tell you For two, on two reasons, on two fronts? One, your own self-survivability at the hands of these elected officials who do not serve your interests, but serve the special interest. And what does the humanity ask you that you must do and you should do while you're witnessing some of the horrors that are happening in the name of democracy and freedom and with the full consent and complicity of your leaders in the West? You cannot afford to be silent because your silence is also a consent. What you can do here is next time there is an election and if there is a candidate that is bucking the system, vote for that candidate. I know your choices are not very, very good. That has to change. And we're working on that. But for the time being, if the, the, if the candidates are all of the same, let me give you an example. Richie Sunak soon will be fighting for, on a, for a general election in the United Kingdom. Here, Starmer, the leader of the opposition, is going to be fighting him. And the likelihood is one of those two guys will end up the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Most likely, it's going to be Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition and the leader of the Labour Party. But Keir is of the same mindset. Remember, his name is Sir Keir. So he's, he's a Sir. So he is establishment. He is the same mindset that did not want to have a ceasefire when it comes to Gaza because the job had not been done. What is the job that had been done? More death and destructions on civilians. Four weeks now, Israel has not moved in to eliminate the military value and operations of Hamas, as it says it wants to do that, and it must, must kill it. Four weeks later, all it's doing is from the, from the air. So if your choices is Keith, Kirsa, Starmer, or Richie Sunak, what are your choices? And here's what I'm going to suggest you do. In your general election, if your choices are both, I'm not going to cuss, the letter D, blah, 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 heads, I would suggest put in a blank sheet of paper. You can write down on that piece of paper, I want justice for us and for the world. Justice for us and the world. If you are an American, I want justice for Americans and the world. If you're a British citizen, I want justice for British citizens and the world. And let's see how many of these officials start counting these numbers. And I have a feeling, I have a feeling if we spread this out, we might find not just millions, tens if not hundreds of millions of voters who step out and put in white papers with that statement. And it's actually a really to shake up
the establishment that your days are numbers are numbered because your greed is insatiable. insatiable. You, you, it's never you're never going to be satisfied with getting more. So if you own a trillion and you're operating what ten trillion, so it's all about power. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to call out for people to start putting in blank sheets of paper. And yes, many of you will end up with those um, terrible elected officials. But I think I think the drive must be to change the concept that we are stuck with what we stuck because we can't change anything. And in time, and I believe it's gonna be very soon, the world will witness how many of those Western hemisphere citizens who are voting are saying, no more, not in my name. No more, not in my name. And maybe our humanity will, will, will usher in new quality of leaders that will actually serve the citizen and the, and their interest while serving humanity as well, because greed is not good. On this topic, I think I've kept you much longer than I hoped, but I hope this has some value and it will create the necessary change. And I will be recording other videos on different topics, such as, uh, the UK is hosting the Artificial Intelligence Conference, which many heads of states are coming and joining. And the news is so Google Gaga over the fact that Elon Musk is coming to join. And many of you who may have heard me talk about this, and I talk about this extensively in my book, Survivability, we are under existential threat if we don't properly regulate how AI gets developed. And I'm going to be recording a different podcast on this. And many of you who know me, who have seen me talk about this for at least the last minimum 10 years, may recall that it's time for me to put out there what's necessary because most of the conversation that's being put out there, again, with all due respect to the politicians, it belongs in the nearest toilet. And once you dump it there, feel free to do your number one or number two because they're only trying to figure out how to regulate it so that it serves their interest. To serve their interest, not your interest, not the general public, and certainly not the global public interest. In the meanwhile, feel free to visit us at survivability.news. And if you want to get more information about my book, go to survivabilitythebook.com, which I'm very proud of. Uh, with a forward being written by the father of supply-side economics, Dr. Arthur Laffer. In the meanwhile, stay well, stay safe. And one last bit of advice, whenever you're watching the news, question everything.